Turn to Psalm 1, starting with verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff in the wind and how it drives it away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this reminder today of, of who you are and, and who we are. And Lord, may we, may we purpose in our hearts to follow you and you alone. May, may we purpose in our hearts to, to, to focus on your laws, on your word. Lord, in a day and age where people are, are becoming a, 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 so far away from you, they're doing what's right in their own eyes. They're, they're saying that your word is not your word. They're saying that there are many ways to heaven. They're saying that, that we really are just all good people. But when it all comes down to the truth of the matter, the truth of the matter is that we need you. We thank you for Christ who went to the cross of Calvary. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit that speaks to us today. In your most holy name, amen. I hope today that, that you don't believe that the Word of God is not the Word of God. I, I, I read of a, recently of a, a pastor, and I use that term loosely, but of a pastor who, who's in Tennessee, and he's telling his people that the Word of God is not the Word of God. There's a problem with that, isn't there? And when you think about the Word of God, I, I understand, and I... And I I can't even say I understand what he's saying. Because he, some people want to just really, you know, go the extreme, I guess. But, but what other way is there to go when the, the Bible is God's own word? Uh, for, for centuries, since, since the church has been in existence, the, the cornerstone of our faith is that this is God's word. And that what it tells us in here is what we need to hear. And so today, I, I just want to, I want to throw that out there because I know there's a lot, of, a lot of teachings out there. There's a lot of stuff out there where, where people are just trying to pull away from the power that's in this word. They're just going to say, it's just a book, it's just history, it's just poetry. But guys, it's more than that. This is the literal God-breathed word of God. And so as we're here today, we glory in this, that what we just read is not just a poem, but what we read is the truth. The, the fact that if we follow God, we will be blessed. If we do not follow God, we will not be blessed by him. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I, I don't want to be wicked, do you? Back in the 80s, it was cool to say, that's wicked. Y'all remember that? It was kind of like a new cool. We also used to say cool beans around that time period too. And I, I don't know what that was about. Cool beans. But this idea of wicked here, it's, it's that 
going against God. And so what we've been reading about so far, and, and, and go ahead and turn to Judges chapter 3. Um, in Judges 3, I'm, I'm going to pick up, I, I want to just kind of recap here for a moment what's going on so far. Um, Joshua, who we spoke about last week. So there's been a lot of stories that we haven't talked about, but again, we're just we're doing a synopsis. We're jumping through the Old Testament this spring. But it, when you get to the book of Judges, you, you see where the people are in the promised land, and they went through periods where they did what they thought was right, and then they would become captive to some other country, and then they would cry out to God, and they'd say, God, help us, and then guess what? God would help them. And then they would get back on track and they'd be following God. And then 80 years, 40 years, it just depended on the, the generation. They would go back to, to worshiping other gods. They would, they would get away from following Christ or God himself. And, and so we, we hear this story. And as you're, I, I'm telling these stories to you guys, but I hope, I really hope in my heart of hearts that you guys go home and read what's before and what's after. But these judges, uh, uh, they were people who were, who were set up by God to, to go and to lead the people. They would step up. And, and during this time period, you guys understand, they had just taken over. Um, the preceding story is the story of Ehud. And Ehud is called by God to set the people free because they had, uh, as the word says... They did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. You see this time and time again. It's like each section of the Bible. They do good, and then they do what's evil in the sight of the Lord, and then they would enter into captivity, and then they would cry out to God, and then God would send a hero, and a judge in particular. And, and so Ehud comes along, and Ehud, they were, they were captive, so they weren't allowed to have weapons, right? They were, they were owned by someone else. They weren't allowed to have weapons. And so we read where Ehud fashions a sword, a double-edged sword. And he, he goes in to see the king, who was uh, the, the, the king who had, there was, like a, there was three nations that had all came together. And they'd taken over, as the word says, it says the city of Palms. But if you dig a little deeper into that, it's actually Jericho. They had taken over Jericho and taken over the Israelites at that point. But Ehud goes in there and he sticks a knife into the king. It says he went so far in that even the hilt of the knife went into the guy's belly. There's some other stuff that happens in the story too. That's kind of gross. Okay, it says poop falls out. But anyways, you read the story. I said I wasn't going to do this today. And there I tell the story anyways. I think the King James says dung fell out. I, yeah, I don't know what that means. Y'all use your imagination there. But he kills the king. Uh, the king's people are sitting outside saying, man, he's really sitting on the pot for a while. They were kind of embarrassed, but they go in and he's dead. And it, basically, the death of that king meant that, that, that all these tribes that had came against Israel all fell apart. The, uh, they weren't able to, to continue on. And Ehud leads the people into 80 years of freedom. But let's go to 31. Look at verse 31. Here is a story that you really only see Shamgar. I think that's just the coolest name ever. I kind of imagine him looking like a, uh, maybe like a Viking or something. But he wasn't. He was a farmer. But that name is awesome. But we see the story of Shamgar. Shamgar is mentioned here. And in a few uh, verses down, Deborah sings about him. Okay. But look at verse 31. It says, after him, Shamgar was the son of Anath who killed, now everybody listen to this. 
who killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also saved Israel. It's, I think it's interesting to me. It's, it's unfortunate in some ways because I want to know more about Shamgar. I'm reading through this, and you get this detailed account of Ehud. You get detailed accounts of Joshua, of, of Abraham. And we get to Shamgar, and there's like one sentence, one verse is all we know of him. We know that his name was Shamgar. We know that he was the son of Anoth. We know that he has a wicked name, right? <laughs> Super cool name. But the story here says that he killed 600 of the Philistines with an ox goad. Anybody here have an ox goad at your house? Any ox, ox farmers? No? No oxes either, huh? But an ox goad was basically a large, like a spear-looking thing. At the end of it would be a, a point, and then it would also have a little hook, right? And they could, they could go out into the fields, and they could, they could prod the oxes to move, the oxen to move. They would, they would prod them to move with that. They could pull them back. Um, and so basically what he had was a farm implement. That's all he had. And if you look at the full story, and I, I, this is an interesting point, and I, I didn't even plan this. I love how the Lord works this out. There is a movie, if you guys have Amazon Prime, I think you have to pay $1.99 for it, but there's a new a Christian company that's coming out with these movies telling these stories that a lot of people don't know about. And they're doing a great job with it, great quality. It's pretty gory, I'll give you that, because the story you just read, it, it tells this story of Shamgar and how he kills 600 men. And it shows him killing 600 men. So just, just so you know, okay? If you don't like battle stuff, then you probably shouldn't watch it. But it's called Hold the Pass. So if you want to write that down, maybe go home and watch this. It, it kind of gives us a little broader picture, some historical stuff in there that shows us what it was like to Ben Shamgar. And basically, the, the, the children of Israel were still living in the land, but they're, trying, they're, they're having to push off like outside influences. They're, they're having to fight other armies. And, and so Shamgar is, is tasked with holding this pass. And he's not just like, you know, in a city where he could just take them on one by one, but it's kind of, you get this picture, he's on a flat place, and these 600 Philistines are coming at him, and he's killing one after the other with an ox goad. Now, this guy's pretty, pretty legit, right, when it comes to hand-to-hand -hand combat. But as we're reading this, I, I didn't want to, I'm like, how do we even tie this into proclaiming the good news to the world? There's a reason why Shamgar... The son of Anath is mentioned in Scripture. There's a quote here that I had by, uh, by Jonathan Edwards, and he's talking about this idea of work. And, and I know we, we need to, we need to make, make note of this today, that as we're talking about this, that, that I think we need to be people who are busy about the Father's work, don't you? We don't need to be sitting back and just letting everybody else do the work of the gospel. But Jonathan Edwards, he says this, He whose heart is fixed trusts uh, trusting in Christ, he whose heart is fixed, trusting in Christ, need not be afraid of any tidings. As the mountains are around Jerusalem, so Christ is round about them that fear him. I want you to think about this. As a believer in Jesus Christ today, you're not just some lone warrior out on the plain fighting by yourself. Now, how many of y'all ever feel like that sometime, that you're the only one fighting your battle? You got stuff going on, and you're the only one that's doing that. I know in my work, uh, there's times where I am the lone guy because I don't, I'm, I'm the only one trained or you know, certified to do what I do. And I know a lot of you guys deal with that too, that you know, maybe 
Maybe you work cattle, and you're the only person out there working cattle. Or maybe you're, you're the lone mechanic that can only fix these types of, of, of machinery or whatever. Maybe, maybe you're the only teacher in your classroom. We've all been there before. But spiritually speaking, I think a lot of times we get this mentality that we're alone spiritually when it comes to following God. But I want you to know that the battles you face in life, you're never alone. Everybody hear that this morning? You're never alone. Shamgar, as much as it seems like he's alone, and it's just him and his farm implement, I guess 600, probably more than that, actually. It says he killed 600. At some point, they must have turned around and said, you know what? 600 guys are laying dead. I'm going to turn around and go home and, and, and not do this. But Shamgar, he is, he's, he's not just fighting by might, but he's fighting by the power of God. The, the last part of that verse says that Israel was saved because of his work. Okay. We kind of get in a full picture of the story here. A lone guy who does, you know, farming. Here comes the enemy. And he fights, he's going to fight to the death with this ox goad. But because of that, that fight, because of fighting for, for our good cause, because I believe he was fighting by the power of God, Israel was saved. We see this story kind of reiterated and told again and again through Scripture. You guys remember the story of David? Some of you are like, who's this David you speak of? But David... A young boy goes against a giant, right? Just him. And what did he use? Yes, a machine gun. That's right. No, 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 he didn't. He used a slingshot, right? Something he was used to. Shamgar used an ox goat, something he was used to. You, you see the story told time and time again. People who were just doing what God told them with what they had. That's it. That's all they had. And Shamgar, he's, he's, he's fighting this battle, but he's not just fighting it on his own. He is in the presence of God, I believe, during this time. He is in the presence of God. And so again, we, just to kind of reiterate, if you're going to, which I hope you do, go home and read the book of Judges this week. When you're reading through the book of Judges, you see this repeating pattern of God working in people's lives because they abandon him first. Then God raises up some army against them to to discipline them, and then they cry out to God, and then God sends a redeemer. God sends a champion to them. And Shamgar is the, the champion that we see here today. What can we learn from the life of Shamgar? Well, let's look here. If we understand that God is around us all the time, and, and I really want that message to just, to just a beacon in your life right now. Everybody say, God is with me. God is with you. Think about that for a moment. I don't know what you're going through in life. Everyone here has different battles. Some of y'all have battles that we know about. Some of y'all have battles that no one knows about. But no matter what you're going through, God is ever present with you. And Shamgar was that guy too. He had a battle. I don't know if like his buddies were chicken to fight, or their farms were too far away, or they just didn't know, or he just killed 600 people really fast before they got there. I don't know. You ever had somebody call for help, and by the time you get there, they already got it fixed? You're like, why did you call me? You already had it fixed. Maybe Shamgar was that guy. He, he just knew how to, I know how to kill 600 guys really fast. But he does, he does it, 
And because of that, Israel's saved. And I think the, the message for you and I today is that if we would understand that God is everywhere and ever-present in our lives, that no matter what battle we face, we have the ability to lead others to God through our battle. We have the ability to lead others to God through our battle. You know, this, this past year has been, been weird for, for church life in particular. You know, the, your numbers fluctuate. We weren't used to that. Like, like Sundays were just a, a thing and everybody was here and the, the place was just full, right? And now it's like, eh, you know, it's pretty good numbers and then not so good and then this happens and that happens. But what I want you to know today is that we're not alone in this. And we can, we can get that way very fast. We can feel like we're alone, but we're not alone. And even the battle that we face as a church just to, to persevere and to advance the gospel wherever we go, in that battle, we're not alone. God does some amazing things, just like he did in the life of Shamgar. Three points I wanted to make here this morning. The first point I wanted to say is that God never selects the idol when choosing his work. God never selects the idol. And what I mean by that, he, he never selects people who are lazy. We, we don't need to be lazy in the faith, do we? And we need to be busy about the Father's work. He never selects the idol. He never selects the ones who are just sitting down. Well, look at this, the life of Shamgar, for instance. Shamgar had his farm implement with him. And when the battle came, it wasn't like he went in and he wasn't like Ehud. Ehud went and made himself a knife or a sword or whatever. He actually just picks up and uses whatever he was poking the oxen with that morning. He turns around and uses that to God. He was busy even up to the moment of battle. And as the church of God, we need to be busy about the work of God. We need to be busy in our lives. And, and guys, I know we live in a day and age where it says you need to be less busy, less busy, less busy. And I get that. I get that because I think we are a very busy society. But when it comes to the work of the gospel, we need to be busy about that. Shamgar was ready to go in, in, in a moment's notice. He was able to go forth and to be able to do what God had set forth for him to do. And so this morning, I want you to hear that message. God never selects the idol when choosing his work. Man, he, he allows us to be busy all the days of our lives. We must be busy about the Father's work. The second thing I want us to look at this morning is the workman is more than his tools. The workman is more than his tools. Now think about that word for a moment. The workman. Is it, is it tough work sometimes being a believer in Jesus Christ? Is it work? Yeah, it is. It's work. And Scripture teaches us that there's this guy um, that goes around roaming like a lion to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He's going out here and he's trying to trip us up all the time. It is work. We have to battle that daily. We have to make a daily stand that I'm going to live for God today. I'm going to live for God today. But the workman is more than his tools. Shamgar, I mean, if you think about it, they laughed at David, right? Because all he had was somebody it was a machine gun? No, I'm kidding. A slingshot? That's all he had was a slingshot. They laughed at him for that. They, they laughed at him for, for having this slingshot. That's all he had to fight with. Shamgar, I don't know. I can imagine the Philistines saying, look at him. He's bringing a shovel at us. Really? 
in this, uh, this movie I was telling you guys about, the, they bring out their champion, the Philistine champion, and he's got like, you know, these, it, I thought this was really cool. They really went into detail with like battle gear for the time. And this guy that he went up against, I mean, he had shields on each arm. He could be fighting, doing all this, and he had shields. I mean, he was built for fighting. And then there's Shamgar. He's like in this long robe, and he's got this, you know, hoe. And, and he's just coming after him, you know? He's just coming after him, and he's fighting. But a workman is more than his tools. Now think about that for a moment. Everybody here has tools. You guys have things that you're good at, right? And you may think it's very small and insignificant, that what you have is not that big a deal. More than likely, most people say, well, I could never preach a sermon, or I could never sing a song, or I could never teach a class. And that, that mentality is a bad mentality to have. Because here's the truth of the, the matter. Everyone here can proclaim Jesus, right? And that may seem small to you right now, because you're like, yeah, I know who Jesus is. I know what Jesus did. I know that Jesus is coming again. I know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Then why don't we share that? It may seem like a very small tool to have, but use that. It's that, that that's the power of the gospel, is proclaiming that truth. And so we don't need to be lazy. Don't, don't pull back, guys, and just say, well, I'll let somebody else proclaim the gospel, or it's snowing outside, so I'll let somebody else proclaim the gospel, or there's a pandemic going on, I'll let somebody else proclaim the gospel. No, in your life right now, proclaim the gospel. Be busy about the Father's work. The tools that God has given you, the talents that God has given you, don't think of them as too small for God to use. One of the most powerful ministries we have in our church is these things called small groups. And a lot of times, what is the small group? Some people say, well, what is a small group? Because I think a lot of times we think, well, to do ministry, we have to have this big outreach. You've got to reach thousands of people. But, you know, honestly, Jesus did more small group than he did large group. I mean, sure, he, he went to the seashore and he fed all the people. And you know, he did some really cool stuff like that. But by and large, the work of Christ was within him and like 12 other dudes. And that was it. He, he had his small group. And in our small groups, don't you guys think that you have the ability to help your fellow brothers and sisters in this world to know Christ more? The power of the small group is that people are just using, the, we, we've had sewing groups in the past, we've had running groups in the past, we've had workout groups. You know, these are things that people are good at in the church. They're good at these things. They may not necessarily know everything there is to know theologically, the, the deeper histories of the church or something like that, but that's okay. Because what they do know is what they know. And you tie that to the gospel, there's power in that. So, so we're, not, we're not being a people who are lazy. We understand that no matter what we think, maybe our talents aren't very big, God can still use that. Shamgar used exactly what he had. And the power in the battle was not in Shamgar. The, pa the power in the battle was with the Lord. The Lord worked through Shamgar that day. And he used that small, you know, he must have been really good at moving oxen, right? And so he was good at that kind of stuff. And I imagine in the battle, that's what he was doing. He was just moving them Philistines around like oxen, except he was also killing them too. But he was doing this, and he's going through there and killing these, these Philistines. And church, what you need to understand today is that whatever God has blessed you with, use that. And the last point I wanted to kind of go over this morning is uh, the workman works best with his natural talents. The workman works best with his natural talents talents. 
I'm going to ask you a question. I want you guys just to think about it for a moment, okay? We'll have some awkward silence in the sanctuary. What are you naturally good at? Just answer that in your head. Don't, not out loud. Unless you want to, that's fine. But what are you naturally good at? And some of you are like, well, I'm, yeah, I'm a good baker. I'm a good mechanic. I'm a good, you know, organizer. I'm a good, I don't know, we could go on, right? Everyone has these things that they're just good at. Some of you are good at math. I wish the Lord would have helped me in that area when I was in school. Some of y'all know everything there is to know about history. Some of y'all never forget anything. It's all the wives in here, right? You never forget anything. So some of y'all are really good at Bible memorization. Some of y'all, some of y'all are really good at just helping people. There's these, there's these things that we need to recognize in our own lives that if I'm good at this, how can I glorify God with this? Some of the most powerful things I've seen in our church, you know, they, they, they would have a sewing group. And we, we've sewed dresses. I didn't because I'm not good at that. But we sewed dresses and we sent dresses overseas, right? You guys remember that? And some people think, well, that's not that big a deal. No, here's the big deal about that. There were people who were good at sewing dresses. And they sewed dresses and they sent them overseas. And those dresses were given to little girls who were also told about Jesus. Now tell me that's not important. Some of you are like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a musician, but I like to sing. Well, get up and sing then. God can't be glorified through you if you don't use your talents for him. I, I remind young people all the time, uh, like, uh, that when I'm talking to them, they'll say, well, I don't know what my talent is. And I'll say, well, what you, well, tell me some stuff that you're good at. And they might say, well, I'm good at, I'm good at baseball. I'm good at football. I'm good at math. Find ways that you can glorify God in doing that. Now, here's the cool thing. I don't want everybody to say, well, I'm good at teaching Sunday school, and that's all I'm good at, and that's all I'm ever going to do. Because I think the thing is, is that God grows us in our talents, doesn't he? But right now, in this place, the, the, the thing that you just said in your mind, I'm good at this. Find ways to glorify God with that. And when it's going, going back to that, that, that story of Shamgar, you know, he saw the enemy coming, and I think a lot of us would say, man, here comes the enemy. I think I'll run. I think I'll go the other direction. I think I'll hide in a cave. I'm really good at hiding, Daniel. I'm just going to hide in the cave, right? But Shamgar doesn't do that. Shamgar goes out, and he fights the battle with what he was good at. He wasn't lazy. He understood the tools that he had in his hand. He also understood that God could use his talents. You see, the battle really wasn't Shamgar's, was it? David even said it later on that the battle belongs to who? The battle belongs to the Lord. When I think about church stuff, it's not Daniel's battle. And I understand, guys, you know, you know, being a pastor is tough sometimes. And I, y'all are so loving, and people will just call to check on me, and they'll say, we, we know your job's hard. It is hard, but it's not my battle either, you know? I mean, I think I take it to heart sometimes, and, and I, have to, I have to check myself. Being a pastor is hard, yeah. Uh, being a bivocational pastor is hard, yes. Being a bivocational pastor who's in seminary is hard, yes. Okay, I'm, y'all just have some pity on me right now, all right? That's all, that's all I'm wanting. Have some pity on me. You're like, that's not enough. Okay, being a bivocational pastor who's in seminary and has a two-year-old, all right? Got everybody on board now. We could all list things that our life is tough, right? But our battle is not ours. Our battle is the Lord's. 
we're not alone in this. I'm not alone in, in the work of the church. I'm not alone in, in going through seminary. Because I'll tell you something. My, my seminary studies, they're tough. They're hard. They're intense. But it's such a blessing to know more things about my God. I got a friend who he just, he just graduated uh, with his doctorate. You know, his Ph.D., doctorate in ministry. And one of the things he's told me about it, he's like, well, if you get into going to seminary because you want the title... Because you're in it for the wrong reason. The reason we go is because we understand the battles of the Lord's. And so we want to know more about the Lord, right? That's the reason. That's the reason Shamgar, he didn't care that that army was probably going to kill him that day. He just went and fought it. Why? Because he knew God was with him. And he understood these three points. Again, God never selects the idol. Shamgar was not idle in any way. He was out there on the front lines doing the work of the good of the good Lord that day. The workman was more than his tools. It didn't matter all he had was an ox goat. It, the work of God in his life was more powerful than that ox goat. God used that. And God can use the small things in our life. And then also, God uses those natural talents that we have. I really think as a church that we will grow when the body itself understands their value to God. We will grow as a church when we all truly understand our value. But guys, here's the thing. We will grow even more when we understand the intrinsic value of the people in the world. It is a shame that talented, blessed churches sit on their rear ends week in and week out, and they don't tell anybody about Jesus. You guys hear that this morning? That's a big call, Daniel. There's a lot of people in this world who don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people in this world who are lost. And, and I, I will say, you know what? That's right. But the call of the believer today, the call of you and I today, is that, is that we would go forth and use what God has given us. And understanding that God is going to, he's going to do some awesome stuff. He's going to grow us even. When I first got in ministry, I wasn't preaching right off the bat. Some people say, what's it like to be a preacher? Like, you got called at a young age, and so, which, by the way, I did not come out of the womb preaching the gospel, right? That's a really cool story to tell people. Well, I was born a preacher, and that's, you know, my dad was a preacher, and, like, we had preachers in the family. It was just kind of, like, genetic or something. It wasn't genetic. It's the, the battle of the Lord, right? It's not my battle. My, my first sermons that I preached, I would... You know, 10 minutes before the sermon, I'd go outside and throw up, <laughs> for lack of better terms. I'm talking a lot about bodily functions today. I'm sorry. Poop, throw up. Okay, I'll stop. But I, that was, that was my, my beginning, you know? Like, I, I was okay to sit down with a small group, and, and I did at a young age. I would teach, you know, I would teach people my age the gospel. I, I grew up on a missionary field, and... I would, I would, you know, as a 12-year-old boy, I remember, you know, talking to little kids about Jesus or talking to little kids about Shamgar or talking to little kids about, you know, different stories in the Bible. I remember doing that, but, but it, I worked up to it. But the thing I thought that I, I think I found out at an early age is that everyone, and including myself, everyone has this ability to tell the good news, right? Every one of us here does. Shamgar had that, he may not have even had the ability to kill 600 men. I mean, that story, if you really just think about it, 
Like, at what point does the other army just say, all right, dude, you win? You know, at the 534th one that was killed, you think he was like, I'm going to do this. You know, I mean, in the back of his mind, he was scared too. Maybe Shamgar didn't even give him a chance to, to stop and think about it. But the glory in the story of Shamgar is that he fought the battle of the Lord, understanding that it was the Lord's battle. And because of that, Israel was saved. Jim, I don't care if they ever write a sentence about me, but if they were going to write a sentence, I, I think a one-sentence thing about Daniel would be is Daniel stood up and fought, and people were saved. I think at the end of my life, I want that message. I don't want that. Well, Daniel you know, accomplished uh, his doctorate from Southwestern or wherever. I don't, I don't want it to be, well, he, he pastored a church that was, you know, a multi-campus, million-member church. That'd be great. I'd, I'd do it if the Lord said, here, let's grow it this way. But honestly, all we're called to do is to bring glory to God. Jonathan Edwards, the guy I mentioned to you earlier, um, he has some theology I don't necessarily agree with, but, but Jonathan Edwards said some stuff about uh, time and time again about the glory of God, that the work of the church, the work of the believer is to bring glory to God. Shamgar, in the middle of that battle, brought glory to God. He protected the people of God. He held the pass, and not for his glory. He doesn't get hardly any glory at all. He just gets a one-sentence thing saying, oh yeah, and also Shamgar. We didn't die because of him, also. But it's not about that, is it? God never selects the idol, so we need to be busy. The workman's more than his tools, so we need to understand that whatever it is that God has given us, he is more powerful than those tools anyways, but he can use those tools to do great things. And the workman works best with his natural talents. Some of us in here, we just don't understand. Man, how am I going to go about the task of advancing the gospel Use the small things that you do have right now. If you've ever worked out, how, do, how, how does that start out for you? Or if you're a runner, how does it start out for you? Do you start out running marathons? Do you start out doing He-Man competitions? No, you start out small, right? You, you've got to work into it. And the one thing I found, Joe was talking about working out, and I was like, man, I really need to start doing some weights. I need to. But he, he was talking about it, and I was like, I really need to start to get into that. But I wouldn't go in there and start squatting 800 pounds right off the bat. You know I mean? I'd just break my back, and y'all have to be finding a new pastor. But the thing is, is once we kind of get in a rhythm, it's like you just keep going, right? My wife is so sweet. She was asking me, how are you doing? She asked, I got a great wife. A wife just comes up to you and asks you, how are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? She said, well, how are you doing with everything you got on your plate right now? I was like, it's great. Like, I just feel like I'm in a rhythm, and God's just working. And it's the same way when we come to doing what God has called us to. It's like you want to do more and more and more and more. The life of a Christian is not one of leisure. The life of a Christian is one of sacrifice and giving to God the glory that he deserves. I'm encouraged by that story Shamgar. I'm, I'm encouraged by, by, by what we learned there. 
you know, our, uh, our mission statement, the gather, grow, and go, that we're kind of focusing on as a church here. Just think about that for a moment. I want to wrap up with these, these thoughts this morning. How can we gather better? You think as a church we need to get together more? It's not going to hurt, right? I know everybody's busy. Some people think, well, to gather means just to come and y'all sit and me talk. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, you got to have Sunday night church. No, you don't. I don't think that's in Levitic- Leviticus or somewhere like that. I don't think it's there anymore. I-, I don't think you open up the book of Judges and it says, thou shalt meet on Sunday nights. That's not what it says. Well, what what the, the biblical definition of Christianity is that there's a bunch of people who come together. It could be at your house. It could be at a restaurant. That could be at the house of someone who's not saved. That could be on a mission field somewhere. We need to be in the habit of gathering together. Don't you agree? Well, what do we do when we gather together? You just are yourself. <laughs> I, 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 I want to be known as that kind of pastor. I don't want to be the pastor that's like, well, he's, he's pastor. We can't talk with him. We have to take our shoes off when we go in. No, that's not the point, right? As Christians, we shouldn't be that way either. We shouldn't walk in our workplace and say, yes, I'm a Christian. Bow down. I know people like that, by the way, and I just, well, I can't, I can't say what I want to do to them because it's unchristian, but I have to repent. But we're just being who we are, right? We are just humans who need Christ in our life. We're just people who are just people who are just people, and without Christ, we're nothing, so we gather in that mentality. We, we don't, we, how do we grow? Well, we grow in, in, in our talents. We grow in, in, in our abilities. We grow in God's grace. Because I know in this place today, there are people who get up here and preach a sermon. You're just, you're just not stepping out yet. You're just like, yeah, I don't know. I see some of y'all, and you're, you are stepping out in areas, and I'm like, that's it. That's that grow thing, right? And it's not just, sure, do we want numbers to grow? Absolutely, but we want our body to grow in size, not just in number, but I want a bunch of powerhouse Christians in this place. I, I'm, I'm very mindful of my own spiritual walk. I'm very mindful of how I live my life. But if the pastor is the only one who's trying that, the church is weak. But if we have a whole bunch of Shamgar sitting in here, how good would that be? Which, by the way, I think we do. But that's the caution that we must remember today. As we gather, as we grow, guys, we have to go too, amen? Shamgar, his battle would have never been told if he wouldn't have went. But he went. And he faced those Philistines one at a time until 600 of them had expired. They were no longer breathing and probably, honestly, the other, looking at the other stories here in the, in, in the Old Testament, I mean, there could have been 10,000 guys in that past, and he killed 600, and they finally turned away. That's a pretty big story. But it's not for the glory of Shamgar. It's for the glory of God. And as we as a church come together, and we pray, and we fellowship, may we gather, grow, and go, not based on our power, but based on the thought and the truth that the battle is the Lord's. There's nothing this little church can't do. There's nothing that you can't do. Scripture, we read that, you know, uh, this, this 
It's in Philippians. It talks about how we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I love that verse, don't you? That's like a good verse. I mean, that's not like a, you know, an Ehud verse where he stabs some guy in the belly. That's kind of a weird life verse. Then Ehud stabbed the knife in the belly. That's not a life verse. It may be someone's. Probably some guy named Shamgar somewhere on the planet. That's his favorite verse. But the picture we get out of Philippians, it tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I like the positivity of that verse. But then to understand that verse, you read the context of the verse. And the context of the verse is actually talking about salvation. We can do all things for the glory of God. It doesn't mean you can win championships. It doesn't mean that you can be the richest person. It doesn't mean that you can have all the money in the world. What it is saying is that all of us in the body of Christ can do all things through Christ in regards to bringing God glory. That's an that's a correct interpretation of Philippians 4.13. That should be our focus as a church, don't you agree? And if you're a believer today, I want to prompt you to be someone who prays for your fellow believers, who prays for your pastor, who prays for the church. But I also want you to be someone who's involved. I don't know how to be involved, Daniel. Get involved. Well, I get involved, and sometimes people in the church are just weird. I know, we are weird. I get that. We are weird, but you know, we're God's people. I've never understood how people, why would people want to go to heaven if they're, they understand that all these weird people they don't like, the people they complain about? I literally know people who don't go to church because they don't like church people. Well, they probably don't like you either, but the thing is, is that we're all going to spend eternity forever together with God. So we need to get on board with that, don't we? As we gather and as we grow, then we also need to go. If you don't know Christ today, the Bible teaches us that we've all sinned. That's everybody in this place. That's everybody in this world. That's, that's me. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you trust in him today, if you admit that you're a sinner and you confess him as your Savior and your Lord, the Bible teaches us that you will be saved. If you don't know Christ today, I want to invite you to know Christ. That, that calling that's in your heart right now to, to make it right, adhere to it, listen to it. Get with someone and, and pray. Today, if you give your life to Christ, then tell others about that. The, the problem in the church today, and I'm going to close with this, the problem in the church is that we keep our faith silent to ourselves. We have this amazing thing that happens in our lives. We get saved. But yet we just don't tell anybody about it. May we be guilty of telling people about what God is doing in our lives. Amen? Because that battle's not ours. And guys, we are definitely, we are definitely made for more. Thank you.